All right. That's Royal Family Kids Camp, everybody. Um, Got to get back to the start of here. Let's see. Kara and I have been doing this camp for 14 plus years, if you combine our total time there. Um, last year, we had the privilege of including some of our youth students in helping at camp, too. And actually, if you've helped at camp, will you raise your hand? We got Sam, Caleb in the back. Caleb's, fam Caleb's family has been helping for a long time. I know that Aaron has helped out. Um, Paula has helped out. Royal Family Kids Camp is a fantastic camp. Um, it is for kids who are in the foster care system who have experienced some form of abuse or neglect um, to the point where their home has become too dangerous or not safe enough for them to live in. So they come to the foster care system for a temporary time and some of them just live in the foster care system their whole lives. Um, these are kids that bounce around from home to home and never get to set their roots down properly to grow into um, the adults that they were called to be. There are over s almost 6,000 kids under the age of 16 in the state of Oregon that are in the foster care system. Uh, that's a staggering number. And the Bible tells us that undefiled religion is this, to seek out the orphans and the widows and to help them. So what can we do as a church? What can you do to seek them out? What can you do to help them? Studies have been done that show kids that are in this category uh, are more likely to start smoking. They're more likely to drink. They are more likely to do drugs. They are more likely to go through divorce. They are more likely to continue the cycle of abuse that they've been in to their own children. And these numbers are staggering, but the most staggering one is some of these children are up to 1,200% more likely to commit suicide if they are left in this system. They might not ever experience hope. But guys, we serve a God of hope. I serve him, and hopefully you guys serve him as well. Um, church coming on Sunday mornings a couple times a month is not good enough. We have to be moving into our community. We have to be reaching out to kids who don't experience hope, and we have to show them God's hands and God's feet, and we have to speak God's truth into their life because God can break this cycle. God can take them out of the bondage that they live in. So camp's awesome. We go, we play games, we sing songs, we act ridiculous, we speak truth into these kids' lives. And it changes them. You can see it in their faces as they understand how God feels about them because of how we treat him. Um, God wants to partner with you guys. And one thing I really want you to take away from this message that I'm going to speak today is that God wants to partner with you. So look for ways you can partner with him. And this is one. Um, we have a booth that's set up in the lobby. Uh, some of our friends from another church have come. 
um, to talk with you guys about it. If you want to get more information about it, just put your name and email down and they will send you a link that gives the website. Uh, we run this camp. It is from Sunday to Thursday this year, overnight camp up in Malala area. Uh, we run it through Family Life Church, which is in West Salem. Um, and it's an amazing time. And you will not regret putting your name on that forum. Um, if you can't make it to camp this year, be praying for us. Be praying that God will impact these students' lives in a way that will change them forever. Uh, and if you're rich, give us money. <laughs> I'm not afraid to ask. <laughs> Uh, that is all the time I have to talk about camp. Uh, please see one of us afterwards. You can talk to me. You can talk to Kara. You can talk to Caleb. Uh, you can talk to the ladies that are at the front desk. And we'll just share our hearts with you because God has a heart for foster kids. And God wants to partner with you to reach them. Let's jump into the Bible. Uh, not literally. Don't jump into it. But let's open our Bibles. Uh, last few weeks, we've been preaching out of the book of Judges. And... Uh, we've been focusing on a particular judge, a man named Samson. Uh, we learned about how he got his start, right? His parents, his mother was barren. They had been praying, and an angel came to them and said, you guys are going to have a son, and he needs to live a certain way. He needs to take Nazarite vows from the day he is born. So that means he can't drink alcohol, he can't touch dead animals, and he cannot cut his hair. So by the time this guy was a young man, he would have had very long hair. And what we learn about him is that he becomes very strong. And God's intent was to save Israel from the Philistines who were ruling over them. Uh, we learned about his contract as a Nazarite. We also learned that he wasn't great at keeping this contract, right? There were several times when he would touch dead animals there was, there was one moment where he took the jawbone of a donkey, which is a dead animal, and he killed a thousand people with it because God used this man even in his sin, right? There was another time when he saw something he wanted and he took it. It was honey and it was in a dead animal. He reached inside of the lion, he took the honey, and he enjoyed it. Is that not a picture of sin? <laughs> It might taste good, but it, that's gross, guys. That animal's dead. Uh, we learned that he was deceitful. We learned that he saw things that he wanted and he took them. Uh, we learned that he would trick men and women into doing what he wanted, and if it didn't go the direction that he wanted, he would break into incredible fits of rage. And we learn that God, the Spirit of God, would come upon him in those fits of rage, and he would destroy part of God's enemy. The book of Judges is a dark story. It tells about the, how Israel continually, continuously was spiraling away from God's intent for them. The judges in the book were meant to lead Israel closer to God. And through God, they would do mighty works to defeat their enemies. And they did. But time and time again, after their defeat, after they praised God, they would fall back into their cycle of sin. And then a new judge would come back. And then they would fall into their cycle of sin. But what happened is, every time a new judge would come, they were less and less effective. They were less and less seeking God's will on their life. 
The book starts out with guys like Gideon who took 300 men and conquered this army in the name of God. Right? Gideon didn't think he could, but he believed in God, and so he took a small amount and conquered a big amount. And then less and less effective as more judges come. By the time we get to Samson, Samson, yes, killed a thousand men with a, with a bone from a donkey. But what more could he have done if he had an entire army behind him? How much more effective would he have been if he was following God's calling on his life, not just being selfish? There's several truths that we can take away from this story of Samson. Number one, I think we've talked about every week, is that God can and will use who he chooses to use, even if they are living a life that is not dedicated to him. Number two, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And the more that you lean into your purpose, the more satisfying your life will be, right? Samson had a purpose, but he wasn't leaning into it, and he was a very unsatisfied man. And today we're going to focus on a third truth. This third truth is what I call stop being an idiot. Write it down. You need it. Tattoo it on your hand. Tattoo it on your forehead. Uh, don't be an idiot. Let's pick up where we are in Judges 16, verse 4 through 6. This is the story of Samson and Delilah. After this, he, being Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said, Seduce him and see where his great strengths lie, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him and humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. 1,100 pieces of silver per person doing the bribe. Experts say that there were five kings or leaders over the Philistines, so there was probably five people each saying, we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So we're looking at 5,500 pieces of silver. Uh, in today's money, that would be around $90,000. Uh, and I went on this long rabbit trail because I was procrastinating, but I wanted to know how much is that really in that time? Like how far would $90,000 spread? Because nowadays you could buy a really nice car for $90,000, but you couldn't buy a house for $90,000, right? Maybe 10 years ago, uh, but not today. So looked into it. Uh, there is a proverb that says a prostitute might cost a man a loaf of bread but adultery will cost him everything he has. And at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar, which granted was a few hundred years later, um, bread was going for about 350 loaves per ounce of gold. So in modern times, that means about uh, $1.60 per loaf of bread. Again, I know this is a rabbit trail. Um, <laughs> but if she was a busy prostitute, then she probably made around $10 a day doing her work. So compare that with $90,000, and she would have made 24 years worth of wages just by figuring out Samson's strength and selling him out. And Delilah was no God-fearing woman. She did not believe in God. So this was an amazing opportunity for her to advance herself, right? Who wouldn't take this opportunity? Well, uh, 
us. Hopefully. <laughs> but what chance does she really have, right? Samson is a man of God. Samson's been used by God a hundred times. Uh, could he really be that in love with her that he would fall for this trick? I hesitate to call it a trick. She just asks him, right? She comes out and she's like, hey, uh, what would it take to kill you? Anyone would tell me? And he's like, what do you mean? He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, as they say. She just asks him, what would it take to make you, personally, useless in the fight against the enemy? Right, Samson, what would it take to make you useless? What would it take to make you so that you couldn't kill a thousand men in one, in one day? Tim, what would it take to make me useless against the enemy? Have you asked yourself that? You know, in my youth, I imagined myself as a knight in shining armor, um, and I was on fire for Jesus, and I would sing songs of praise, and I would pray loudly for other people, uh, and it would have taken a mighty blow, right, to take me down. It would have taken a mighty blow to knock Samson down. But I think I can risk telling you guys that we're all a lot more like Samson than we're comfortable to believe. Because it didn't take a mighty blow to knock him down. What it took was something small happening over and over and over again, leading him down a dark spiral away from what God wanted into his life. And it led to destruction. Judges 16, 7 through 9. This is Samson's beautiful response, right? Samson said to her, If they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak like any other man. And then, surprise, surprise, the lords of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in her inner chamber, and she said to them, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he snapped the bowstrings like a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Uh, Sam said, what are you doing, dude? What are you thinking? You know, maybe he was testing to see if she really loved him. Maybe he was just messing with her so he could get what he wanted from her. Right? He definitely wants her. He wants her body. He wants to feel pleasure from her. So maybe he's just giving her what she thinks she wants, even though it's a lie. Uh, but why would you even mess with the silly lie? Now, if this was you guys, I already know that you would say goodbye at this point. You would never talk to her again. You would move out of the city, right? We'd all do that. Run away from sin as fast as you can. If this was me, I would say she's untrustworthy, she's toxic, and I want nothing to do with her. Maybe. Probably not, guys. Let's be honest with ourselves. Judges 16, uh, 10 through 12 says this. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, I shall become weak like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him 
and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in the inner chamber. But he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Wait, Samson, you idiot. You didn't run away. Why are you still talking to this woman? Why are you in the same city as her? Why are you playing this silly game that you know is going to lead to destruction? You know, maybe it's this old adage, if you fool me once, shame on you. If you fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, but it says here that the enemy was lying in wait in the inner chamber of the house. Right? He has to see them come out of the closet door, not the front door. He has to know that it is her arranging this, not them just happen to walk by while he's being bound. He has to know that she is out for blood. How big of an idiot can you be, Samson? Run. The pleasure you are feeling from this woman is not worth what she is trying to do to you. Judges 16, 13 through 14. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now, you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with a web and fasten it tight with a pin, then I shall become weak like any other man. And while he slept, Delilah took seven locks of his head and he, she wove them into a web. And she made them tight with a pin and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web. Uh, we're not talking about just braiding someone's hair here, right? You can sit down and have your hair braided, and it takes a little bit of time. What we're talking about here is Delilah, as a prostitute, probably had some other side businesses. One of them was probably weaving rugs or something to sell. So what they're talking about with a weave and a web is that she had this giant loom that was in the room. Right, And she probably had to drag it closer to him in order to start weaving his hair into a rug type of thing. So he just sleeps, and she does it, and he lets her. Oh, Samson, why? <laughs> why are you doing this to yourself? The big problem here is that the lie Samson's telling is getting closer to the truth. You can tell that he is slipping towards destruction, and he is blind to it. He lies to her, and he lets her do her thing. But she wasn't sneaking around about it anymore. She didn't need to lie about what she was going to do. She probably had men carry the loom into the room and laid him down to sleep next to the room. Like, you'd have to be pretty blind not to realize she's going to loom your hair. So why would he go and do it? Ask yourself this. Who is in your life that you love this much? Or what is in your life that you love this much? That you're so fully devoted to it that you ignore every danger sign that accompanies it. What are you allowing to bind your arms? What are you allowing to bind your legs? What are you allowing to weave your hair? Samson obviously doesn't think it's that big of a deal, right? Samson's just in it to get pleasure out of it. 
He doesn't think that she will ever actually overcome him. She doesn't think that this small sin that he is committing is ever going to have an impact on him, right? Because he knows the Lord can come upon him and he can kill a thousand men with a jawbone, right? He knows that the Lord is on his side. So what's the harm in this small sin? What's the harm in doing this one more time? What are you allowing to bind your arms and weave your hair? If Samson would have thought this is a big deal, he probably would have grabbed the nearest object and started killing people, right? That's what he did in every other story. He grabs part of a dead animal and kills a thousand men, right? He did not believe that this sin he was in was going to hurt him. Couldn't be that bad. Judges 16, 15 through 21. And he said to them, oh, and she said to him, sorry, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day, that means he was coming back to this sin day after day after day. When she pressed him hard with his words, she urged him. His soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart, and he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. And she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man to have him shave off the seven locks on his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times. And shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And that the Philistines seized him. And they gouged out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza. And bound him with bronze shackles. And, the ground at the, and he ground at the mill at the prison. But his hair on his head began to grow again after he had shaved. Friends, this is the most horrifying thing in the Bible, in my opinion. And it's not because of the blood and gore. It's not because of the eyes gouging out. It's not because of um, the betrayal from Delilah. It's because of the end of verse 20 there. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. I joked around earlier saying the third truth we can learn from this Samson series is don't be an idiot. But honestly, that's the truth. Don't be an idiot. How would the book of Judges recorded Samson if he would have learned to walk in what God had ordained him to walk in? What would have recorded if he had learned to avert his eyes instead of saying in sin long enough that they gouged his eyes out? What would it have said if he learned to walk away when lust entered his heart. You know, he could have been like Gideon, who took 300 men 
and destroyed an entire army because he trusted in God. He could have been like Joshua, who led Israel in countless victories, claiming land for God and for the Israelites. He could have been like David, who was known as a man after God's own heart. David and him had similarities, right? David was a lustful man that he saw a woman bathing on a rooftop, and he said, I want her, go get her. And then he slept with her and got her pregnant. And then he found out that she was married, and he had the guy killed so that he could be with her. Does that sound sinful? Yes. <laughs> but when someone calls about on his sin, David repents. He turns away from his sin, and he tries his best to make things right. And he's known as a man after God's own heart. He led countless victories for his people and for God. He writes this psalm, Psalm 51, 1 through 12. And this is almost right after he gets caught in the act of adultery here. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and teach me wisdom with your secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out all, your, all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. If Samson would have been quick to repent, Samson would have been the hero of the entire nation of Israel. I have no doubt about it. God has a calling on your life. God wants you to be a hero in this nation. God wants you to be a hero in this city, at this church, at your school, at your job. But if you are continuously falling into the same old sin over and over again, what choice is God going to have? He might still use you, right? We believe God uses fallen people, broken people. God used Samson time and time again, even when he wasn't living his best life. But can I tell you that God wants to partner with you, not just use you in your sin, God wanted to partner with Samson. God wanted to make him into the leader he should have been. God wants to partner with you. God wants to see you fulfill what you were born to fulfill. What is holding you back? What is the small sin that you keep going back to? My greatest regret in life is that I didn't truly start to serve God sooner than I did. I've been like Samson almost every single day of my life. 
In college, I ignored my calling and I chased after women. I thought, I have a relationship with God. God's still using me in what I'm doing. So why can't I chase my own pleasure at the same time? Right? God is still using me as I am sinking deeper and deeper into my own sin until I was trapped by it, until I was nearly ruined by it. I would not have been surprised if I woke up and my eyes were gouged out at some point in my college career. But guys, I hope this is a wake-up call for you. I hope you believe that God can and he will use you. But I also hope you know he wants that to be a partnership. He doesn't just want to use you. He wants you to be his hands. He wants you to be his feet. He wants you to be his mouth, speaking truth into this world. We're going to have our pastors and some leadership up front today. Like Anthony said, we need to spend time watering the good things in our life. And we need to pull the roots up from the weeds. We don't need to focus on them any more than we have to. You shouldn't be dwelling on your sin. You shouldn't let it carry you down like a weight. Pray for it. Repent of it. Walk away from it. God wants to move in your life. God wants there to be no darkness to settle down into in your life. But the key to that is to start shining light on it. Tell people what your sin is. Be careful about it. Don't just tell everybody in the whole world. Don't post it on Facebook. Uh, but you should have a community. We want to be your community. We have small groups set up to be your community. Repent. Walk away from it. Let people know so they can be praying with you. They can walk you out of your sin. Will you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to sing one more song here. But come forward. Get prayer. Stay as long as you want. Let's pray for you. Let's see something. Let's see revival happen today. God, have mercy on us. According to your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy, we pray that you would blot out our transgressions. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. And cast us not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from us. We want to be warriors for you. We want to be heroes in our community. And we know that the only way that's going to happen is that if you move through us. Lord, take us out of any darkness that we're in. Lord, let us not return to the sin that is simple. Let us not return to the sin one last time. This will be the last. Lord, let us have a clean break. Let us turn about face, 180 degrees, and run from it. In your name, amen.